Coming up on this week's show, the creator of the Love and Luck podcast, Aaron Keon, is here to talk about this unique romance story. Plus, Lisa has some book recommendations. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 114 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willcanals.com. This week's episode is brought to you in part by listeners just like you. We'll have more information on how you can help support this show in just a few minutes. Welcome back, everyone, and welcome back to you, sir. Thank you. It's been another week, another episode, another another chance to talk about things that we love. Indeed. Um, things were pretty standard. Do you have any updates you want to fill everyone in on? Honestly, not really. It was a it was a projecty week. We worked on stories of all kinds, and uh, I think it was a good productive week on that side of things. Okay. Yeah. Shall we get to the news? Let's get to the news. This week's news. Okay. Uh, recently, the Rainbow Awards were announced. Um, they happened this past week. Congratulations to everyone who won. Uh, there are many personal favorites of ours on this list. Yes, absolutely. Um, there will be a link to the complete list of winners and runners-ups. Runners up, yes. Runners up, no, singular. Okay, there will be. <laughs> okay, there just be a link. Okay, there will be a link in the show notes of to the, lots of winners, lots and lots of winners. Um, uh, just a few worth noting uh, for some of you out there who might be interested in some specific categories. The winners of best gay book were Arrows Through Archer by Nash Summers. There was a two-way tie for best gay book that was. Every Breath You Take by Robert Winter and Fool of Main Beach by Tara Lane. And there was a three-way tie for third place. Caught Inside by Jamie Deacon, Depth of Return by M. Raya, and The Chain of Their Sins by Anna Butler. Congratulations to you. Um, the Best Gay Contemporary Romance, once again, was Arrows Through Archer by Nash Summers. Congratulations, Nash. Um, uh, in the second place was actually... Fool of Main Beach by Tara Lane. And in the third third uh, third place, um, I'm having trouble reading this morning. It's okay. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, so, so, I don't know. My brain's not working just yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> and uh, taking third place in the best gay contemporary romance category was Lucy Lennox's Borrowing Blue and The Bravest Thing by Laura Les Carso. Congratulations, everyone. Indeed. And always a thank you to uh, Elsa Roll, who puts all this together. Uh, the awards also benefit charities, so when authors um, submit their books, they can uh, send along some donations to many charities that help the LGBTQ community. And it's wonderful. She's done this for a number of years now, and it's, it's a great way to support the community doing it. Mm -hmm. Once again, where can they get the link? At BigGayFictionPodcast.com on this week's show notes. You can get to the entire list of all the winners because there's about 30 categories, mm -hmm. I think, of books in there. We'd also like to tell you about a recent podcast we discovered. Yes, the Top to Bottom Podcast, which is B-O-T-M, which also stands for Book of the Month. Very fancy how they made that into their title. I like that. <laughs> uh, Marky and Jessica started this show back in October. Uh, their first one was a... Essentially a preview of GRL, which uh, one of them went to for the first time. I can't remember if that was Marky or Jessica. Marky went. Marky went. Yes. 
Um, this show not only does talks about upcoming releases and news and industry events, and along with some author interviews, they're a book club, which is very cool. They In their top show of the month, they pick a book that they will read and occasionally talk about on social media, and then at the bottom of the month, they will talk about the book in depth, perhaps have the author on for an interview. And so far, they've also had some bonus episodes uh, thrown in along the way, uh, just to talk about some more stuff. But they're really a twice-a-month podcast with bonuses. Mm-hmm. We have enjoyed every episode that we have listened to so far, mm-hmm. and we wanted to pass that enjoyment on to you, our listeners. So we both recommend you check out the Top to Bottom BOTM podcast. Yes, and of course, a link to their website is in the show notes. Awesome. Uh, a couple of uh, book Christmassy events to, to throw out there. Uh, the 12 Days Before Christmas MM Historical Fiction Blowout, that is a mouthful, <laughs> uh, starts this Tuesday, December 12th, uh, with all the books in it uh, will be half price or less uh, during this promotion. That's a fantastic deal. That is a good deal. Now, authors participating in this historical fiction blowout will be Alex Beecroft, uh, J.P. Kenwood, Summer Devin and Bonnie D., uh, Christina L. Pils. E. Pills, I'm sorry, uh, Ann Barwell, Britta Adams, Sylvia Violet, Deanna Wadsworth, Joanna Chambers, Michael Jensen, Wendy Rathbone, and Charlene Newcomb. Yeah, there's going to be some good books in that stuff. You could just tell by the authors that are involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, details will be at charlenenewcomb.com starting on the 12th. So we will update our show notes on the 12th with the link that will go directly to that page because it's just not there right now. And also to remind you that the Rainbow Advent Calendar does continue through December 24th with a new story revealed each day that's available. You can go to alexjane.info to see the full list of stories so far and keep up with the daily releases there. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the point in the show where we talk about Patreon. And we had someone brand new join us this week, Robert. Welcome. Hi, Robert. Welcome to the family, Robert. We're very glad you could join us. Um, recently, there were some announced changes to the Patreon... Um, fee structure. Fee structure. That's a good, nice... Yes, that's exactly what happened. Um, <laughs> uh, if you are part of Patreon, you've probably already uh, been sent an email concerning some of these changes. We have a detailed post uh, detailing some of these changes on our Patreon page. So if... Um, if you haven't checked that out, please do so. Uh, it explains what's going on and how we will probably be moving forward in the new year. Yes. Now, with that being said, uh, you can certainly join us on Patreon at any time. Uh, you can help support this show with a monthly pledge. Now, for as little as 25 cents an episode, your pledge helps pay the cost of producing and distributing this podcast. And for fans who pledge at the silver and gold levels, you'll have the exclusive opportunity to ask questions of our upcoming guests. All patrons also have the option of having a personalized thank you sent directly to them. Now, any month that we have pledges that cover our monthly production costs will produce a bonus show especially for our patrons and we will actually be shooting that special bonus video episode immediately following uh this episode indeed and it'll release on this coming tuesday the 12th yeah we got lots to talk about in this week's bonus so i think it's going to be lots of fun yeah now you can join us on patreon all you have to go uh, all you have to do there you go (laughs) 
<laughs> like I said, oh, talking, it's hard. Okay, so so if you would like to join us on Patreon, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash biggayfictionpodcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash biggayfictionpodcast. Yes. This week, I got to talk to Lisa from the Novel Approach. Yay, Lisa. We um, love Lisa. We I'll say this in the top of the of the interview as well, but again, happy big sixth anniversary or blog anniversary mm-hmm. if you will to mm-hmm. Lisa uh, some big stuff happened on the podcast this are on the on her blog rather <laughs> you can't talk I either. can't talk either oh what a day All right. um, with some giveaways and stuff that she'll talk about that are actually eking into next week for people who are catching the podcast uh, so that's great she's also got some book recs so let's listen to that so I'm delighted to welcome back Lisa from the novel approach hello Hi, Jeff. It's glad I'm glad to be here it's good to see you again good to see you Merry Christmas getting ever closer Thank you. Same to you. Merry Christmas to you as well. It's uh, bearing down on us before we know it. I know, right? There's only a couple of weeks to go. I know. Um, we need to give you a very happy blog anniversary. You passed your six-year anniversary this past week. Yes, we did. Six years since I claimed the URL and started uh, my own little corner of the interwebs where I was just out there all by my onesies, uh, you know, reviewing books. And it just continued to kind of snowball and grow to what it is today. So uh, we've got some uh, some blogiversary giveaways going on, some uh, uh, gift cards for Dream Spinner Press, Riptide Publishing, uh, Amazon, Pride Publishing. Publishing and um, Michael Sack Garvin donated a, a couple of uh, ebooks, uh, A Faithful Son and Aunt Sophie and Me. So we've got some great giveaways going on, I think, until midnight the 13th. So there's still time to go and, and enter to try to win. Oh, very good. Oh, that could just perk up somebody's Christmas right there. Absolutely, right? Just in time for a happy Christmas to me or a happy Christmas to you. So, yeah. That's very cool. Congrats again. It's it's ama- it's awesome and wonderful that you've been around for six years, and we wish you many, many more. Thank you. Thank you so much. And as we come up on Christmas, how about a, a favorite holiday story that you that you enjoy? Oh my gosh! Well, I'll tell you what. I just finished R.J. Scott's brand new uh, 2017 holiday Christmas uh, Christmas story. Um, it's called Love Happens Anyway. And it's, it's, you know, she, she had kind of held the place with the Christmas throwaway as one of my, my favorite Christmas rereads year after year after year. Uh, but I think that she's, she's kind of maybe, maybe nudged that aside a little bit with, with love happens anyway. It's, it's a really, um, just a lovely Christmas story, very tropey, uh, fake boyfriends, opposites attract. Uh, just, just real sweet, and and I'll throw out to the dedication in the front um, of it. I don't know if a lot of people have noticed it yet, but uh, Becky Condit, um, she used to uh, run Mrs. Condit's uh, uh, book review site, and now she book, uh, reviews for USA Today. And uh, the dedication is is to Becky because Becky had said something to RJ and the love happens anyway title uh, came uh, as a direct quote from what Becky and RJ were talking about and Becky came up with that so I thought that was a really sweet dedication from RJ to Becky and 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 uh, and naming the book so it's really just a, a super just super sweet touching um, really really just lovely lovely 
Christmas story. So yeah, that's right up there. That's a, that's a favorite this year. And I, I recommend anybody who just wants to get into those, those real good Christmas feels to, uh, to give that one a go. Oh, very oh, cool. Very I'm going to cool. have to look at that one because I've seen that one pop up in my newsfeed and stuff and people are oh, really well, and the cover is just so adorable with the snowman mm-hmm. on the front and that snowman does does have a place within the storyline too so it's it's just a it's just a real real neat book and there's just a, you know some of these these very subtle little things that RJ sneaks in that that uh, really help to develop and layer the characters and and just kind of create that sort of uh, ocean between the reader and the characters and the reader and their histories and the reader and the story. It's just real lovely, real lovely story. Awesome. Yeah. See, now I'm going to have to go buy that once we're done here. Uh, I, I would love to hear what you think about it. I just think it's just darling, and I just loved it, loved it. Because I've been, I've been attracted by the snowman kind of picking out from the cover. and Well, it's it's too precious to not, yeah, it's just so adorable. I just absolutely loved it. That's one of the things that, that attracted me to it was the little snowman peeking out from the side there with his rosy cheeks. And it's just real, real cute, real cute story. Just lovely. Yeah, real heart. One of those heartwarming stories that you just love to read at Christmas time. Perfect. I love those. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. Yeah. So the Rainbow Awards have recently happened, and I know that you are featured in a book that has also picked up an award. Uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I will not take any credit for it whatsoever because uh, of all of the other authors within the book, I I, I am... the only one who is not an author. I have a hard time writing a review, let alone an entire essay. Um, but uh, yeah, Lisa Rawl does the does the Rainbow Awards, and uh, they just happened yesterday. And uh, Paul Allen Fahey, who uh, was just a, the dearest, one of the dearest gentlemen I have ever had the pleasure of knowing, uh, just recently passed away a few months ago from cancer. And back in 2015, he had approached me about a project that he wanted uh, wanted me to be a part of. Um, and it's a compilation of essays on equality and what equality means to me. And so uh, he shopped uh, he shopped this idea around and ended up finding a, a publisher who was willing to take it on. And it was actually, and I think it still is, it was a free book. So uh, he, he gathered just uh, 20 plus, I think 25 different uh, folks together to contribute essays talking about equality and what equality means uh, in, you know, from, from in a global, more of a global perspective uh, and also personally uh, uh, different, you know, uh, perspectives my perspective as as a straight cisgender woman is very different than someone who is in the LGBTQ plus community. So he he really wanted to get a, a just different perspectives, and uh, I, I was real honored to be asked to be a part of this. And it ended up the book ended up uh, winning a Rainbow Award yesterday. Um, so I really you know just to congratulate first of all everybody who was a part of 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 putting that book together and to just give a lot of love to paul and to his his husband bob who um you know is is i'm sure still just trying to cope with the idea of of having lost his husband and 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 
Paul was just a really, really, and I'm going to do this without crying, I promise, just one of my biggest cheerleaders and just a champion of, of the community and of equality. And he was an editor and he was a writer and just just a dear, dear man. And, and he, he is he's very much missed. So I did want to put that out there. Congratulations to everyone who was uh, involved in the Equality Project and, uh, and congratulations on that Rainbow Award. And th- thanks to Lisa for always working so tirelessly for this community and putting that together every year. Mm-hmm. She does an amazing job. She does. Um, she uh, a, she's. I always call her the godmother of of you know the blogging community because she. Really, I mean, she's just been such an active part of that. Started out reviewing, um, you know, so many years ago, and has just really fostered this community along and and committed herself to to it year after year after year, and has written a book and 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 does the Rainbow Awards for charity every year. So uh, yeah, I I have a great amount of admiration for Elisa. She's great. Mm-hmm. We'll definitely link definitely up to link. not only the equality book, but also to all of the Rainbow Awards winners, so that people can check out those books because those are always some of the ones you know you you need to go get those and read them. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And there were some great, great names in there this year. So yeah, yeah. It's uh, from from the cover art to you know to. Uh, every facet of of lgbt plus you know fiction fantasy uh you know uh, just everything so a little bit a little bit of everything for everybody so yeah it's great and it's since like we're talking Oscars. about it, kind of yeah. best books yeah uh, yeah well it's like the my Oscars the every year i'm stuck on facebook every year just watching to see who won so yeah <laughs> yeah it's great as we get towards the end of the year, of course, everybody's doing their best of books. Um, do you want? To, do you have a sneak peek, maybe, at what's on your list for this year? Oh, I do. Well, of course, I do. I uh, there are a couple. There are a couple of uh, of uh, authors that I'll give a shout out to this year. Soren Summers. <laughs> Out with uh, with the Vertex series this year, which is a, a horror series uh, that was just really really phenomenal. So uh, actually, I don't think all books all the books came out in 2017. Some of them might have come out at the 20 at the end of 2016. But uh, Soren Summers Vertex series is definitely one that's going on my list. Uh, let me take a peek over here and see which uh, which other one I want to throw out there. Um, you know, Vintage A Ghost Story, Steve Berman's Vintage A Ghost Story uh, is another one that that I, I don't think it was published in 2017, but I definitely read it in 2017. And it's a young adult. Uh, it's a ghost story. And it was just really, really just well written and I love the main character and uh, the, the some of the descriptions of, of the ghosts and the interactions were just real vivid and uh, yeah so that's another one that I really like so I'll recommend his his uh, vintage a ghost story as well fantastic. fantastic and of course we'll have to, we'll have to come to over to the to the, the novel approach site to see the rest of your best of list when it yeah, well, there, and there will be there will be more than just mine. So uh, yeah, everybody's contributing to the list this year. So there'll be there'll be quite a few uh, quite a few recommendations out there for the best of, and there'll all be some there'll also be some giveaways. So we'll watch for that too. Fantastic, yeah. well, Lisa. As always, wonderful to talk to you. I wish you and your family a very merry Christmas, and we'll we'll see you again in the new year. Your favorite new YA hero has arrived with Tracker Hacker by Jeff Adams, the first book in the Codename Winger series. 
At 16, Theo Reese is the youngest agent for tactical operational support. His way with computers makes him invaluable. He designs new gadgets, helps agents, including his parents, in the field, and works to keep the TOS network safe. But when a hacker breaches the system TOS uses to track agents, Theo is put to the test like never before. Thrust from behind the safety of his desk, Theo must go into the field to put a stop to the hack. He's scared, but resolved because one of the missing agents is his father. And just to make it more interesting, he has to keep everything a secret from his boyfriend and teammates. Can Theo get the job done, save his dad, and make things good with his boyfriend? Find out in Tracker Hacker by Jeff Adams, available in ebook and paperback from Harmony Inc. Press, Amazon.com, and other online retailers. So once again, lots of holiday reading going on here. And I should say, actually, reading and listening, mm-hmm. uh, since there's some audiobooks in play here. What have you got for us to start off this week's review section? Uh, well, I want to talk about really quickly about a couple of different novellas that I've read this week. The first one I want to talk about is In Case of Emergency by Kira Andrews. Now, Kira is a very popular author, and this is the very first book of hers that I have read, and I enjoyed it very much. Cool. Okay, so in case of emergency, um, it's actually, I think it's worth mentioning that at this very moment, as we are recording this episode, uh, in case of emergency is the number one gay romance in the Amazon US store. Congratulations, Kira. That's awesome. Pretty awesome. Okay, the story involves former stepbrothers. Um, Daniel, he is a kind of, I guess I would describe him as a button-down business type. Um, and, d- and during the story, he um, is trying to sort of get out of the box that he's put himself in. Mm. Recently, he went to a self-help seminar, and uh, one of the like buzzwords or um, mantras uh, in that seminar was CYC or change your cadence which means, like, get out of your comfort zone. So that's what he's basically trying to do in this story. Uh, Daniel is going to be heading up to a cabin that he's rented uh, in the beautiful snowy woods of Canada, Uh, and he's going to be spending the holidays with his brand-new, almost, boyfriend. Uh, But before he can leave, he gets a phone call from the emergency room. And it turns out that his former stepbrother, Cole, has been in an accident. Uh, I think he's broken his wrist or uh, his arm. I forget which at this moment. Um, anyway, Something's broken. Anyway, so, <laughs> so Daniel has to go pick up Cole uh, and make sure that he is okay. Uh, and he needs to basically take care of him. Uh, some hurt comfort themes going on in this particular story. Uh, and he ends up bringing Cole with him to the cabin. When they arrive at the cabin, um, Daniel's douchey, almost boyfriend, <laughs> has actually brought along a whole gaggle of people from the office. And he's like throwing a big... Uh, like teenage level blowout. It's really, it's really rude and very, very lame. And Daniel is super pissed off. Uh, unfortunately, there is a big storm coming, as uh, you know, it happens in Canada during the winter, uh, and they're all uh, unfortunately snowed in together for a couple of days. Um, so that makes for some very tense, awkward moments. Uh, but 
while Daniel is busy trying to avoid this douchebag that he's stuck with <laughs> in this uh, luxury cabin, he actually gets to know his stepbrother again. Um, they were both very, very young when their parents married. Uh, and they divorced rather quickly, and it's been nearly 10 years since they've seen each other. Oh, so wow. it's really kind of about them uh, discovering the men that they have become. Uh, once they get rid of the co-workers and the uh, ridiculous boyfriend, Daniel and Cole realize that their um, feelings... Uh, for one another are more than uh, brotherly, <laughs> to put it bluntly. Okay, um, so, um, but they're not—they're not even stepbrothers anymore. So don't don't worry about that. It's not icky or weird or anything like that. Anyway, I highly recommend this book by Kira Andrews. I thought it was really wonderful. Has one of my favorite all-time favorite themes, snowed in a cabin. I could read those every day for the rest of my life, and I would never get tired of them. I love that. Okay. The second book I want to talk about really quickly uh, is a short novella by Sylvia Violet. It is called Three Under the Christmas Tree. Now, by the title, you might guess that this is actually a menage holiday romance, and it involves Ace and Gavin. Uh, they are a long-term couple who like to, you know, every once in a while, fool around with a third. Uh... One day, Ace says, you know what? It's been a while since we've had a threesome. And Gavin is, you're right. So that's what they go to. They <laughs> go out looking for a, a sexy, charming uh, third person to fool around with. And they find nice guy Jonathan. Now, usually when it comes to the three ways that Ace and Gavin have, it's usually kind of just one and done. But once they begin spending time with Jonathan, they realize that he's a really terrific guy. They both like him an awful lot. Um, and they begin to develop genuine feelings for one another. And this all comes to a head at the uh, Christmas party that Ace and Gavin throw every year for all of their friends. Essentially, this is an opportunity for uh, the, the established couple to introduce their friends to this new third that they want to bring into their lives. Unfortunately, uh, at one point during the party, Jonathan overhears one of Ace and Gavin's friends talking trash about him. Uh, and he gets very, very upset because he has begin, uh, begun to develop uh, very deep feelings for this couple. Um, he realizes that uh, he, his Christmas wish is really to find love with the two of these amazing men but he's also very skittish about declaring uh, his love because Ace and Gavin are uh, an established couple and he, he doesn't really feel like it's his place to say, this is what I want in any concrete way. Mm. Anyway, he hears this, uh, <laughs> uh, this guy talking trash and Jonathan makes a run for it. Uh, unfortunately, Jonathan does not hear Ace and Gavin um, shut down this uh, nasty queen who is uh, bad-talking their their uh, love interest. Um, they eventually fix things, of course, and have a very happy holiday, all three of them together. I highly, highly recommend Three Under the Mistletoe. Mistletoe. It's a really... It's a re Three Under the Christmas Tree. <coughs> 
I keep calling it mistletoe in my head, even though I know it's Christmas tree. Three Under the Christmas Tree uh, by Sylvia Violet. Uh, a super sexy, really sweet romance. Um, and I do mean very, very sexy. I highly recommend it. Um, also, I want to talk about another story by Sylvia Violet, mm-hmm. uh, Needing a Little Christmas. Um, this is about nice guy Eli. He's having a p- kind of a crappy holiday, and he's going to end up spending it alone. And while talking to his mother, uh, his mom and dad, I believe, are off on a cruise, mm-hmm. Um his mom suggests, well, why don't you go to our friend's cabin? And, you know, none of the other family members are around this year. Um, just go hang out at the cabin, have some quality time. You can do some writing. That's what Eli is. So he goes, okay, sure, why not? So he drives up to this cabin in the middle of nowhere, essentially, uh, as like the storm of the century <laughs> uh, comes down upon him. Uh, when he gets to the cabin, he realizes there are basically no supplies whatsoever. There's no food in the fridge. There is no food, I mean, uh, no firewood. Uh, he's basically going to freeze to death in this cabin in the middle of nowhere. Ah, uh, Thankfully, though... Uh, sexy lumberjack Mac uh, comes to the rescue. He is sort of the local <laughs> wood delivery guy. Um, <laughs> and he comes to Eli's rescue. Um, uh, there's like instant chemistry between the two of them. Um, and Mac definitely brings the holiday cheer to our nice guy Eli. Um, like I said, this is just a super quick, super sweet and sexy romance. I highly recommend it. Uh, you and I both actually listened to the audiobook for this mm-hmm. one. It is read by Sean Criston. Uh, he does a phenomenal job. Yes, he does. Uh, it's a really, really wonderful audiobook. Yeah, uh, this short actually came out in 2013, and this this year is the first time it's an audio. Uh, I also loved it. I thought uh, I felt bad for 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 Eli because. He got dumped right before Christmas, and that's why he's on his own. Um, but it was his good luck to go to the cabin because Mac Mac is so adorable. I thought Mac was adorable. Mm-hmm. I know he's the lumberjack here, but his his good humor and his overall persona, I just I was endeared to him from the moment he showed up at the front door with some with with the firewood. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a very nice short little Christmas. Christmas package that I thoroughly enjoyed. You can get that audiobook listened to in like an hour. It's the perfect size. Yeah. Yeah. I also, another audiobook I picked up uh, from your recommendation from a couple episodes ago was uh, Up for the Challenge uh, by Devin McCormick and Raleigh Hart. My first Devin and Raleigh book, believe it or not, and I'm a little embarrassed to even say that. Um, really quickly, Up for the Challenge is about these two guys who meet. Uh, one believes himself to be straight. Uh, and the other is, I believe, out. Mm-hmm. Um, and they end up bonding over an, a, a, an aborted robbery attempt uh, that one of them stops. I love these two. I love how these two egg each other on. But as their relationship deepens, it's less about the challenging of each other and truly finding love. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were completely right about the hospital scene at the end. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't lie. And even though I, you know, totally knew it was a romance, uh, Devin and Arlie totally made me cry, as probably is not a surprise to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved it. I absolutely loved the book, and I'll be picking up some more from, from these two, because it, that as an entree was really good. Want to hang out with us between shows? 
Check us out on Facebook. You never know what we might post. News about book sales, bonus video content, and maybe even a live broadcast or two. Like us today at Facebook.com slash Big Gay Fiction Podcast and see what we get up to next. Now, you have been talking about and recommending the Love and Love podcast for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. uh, you recently had a chance to talk to the creator. Yes. Uh, got the, the great opportunity to talk to Aaron Keon, uh, who is the creator, writer, and voice of Jason, uh, and producer, and everything else on this podcast. Um, he is amazing. He wrote this script. It's a love story that happens, totally played out in five to ten minute podcast episodes and they're all based on voicemails that are left between Jason and Kane. Um, now back in episode 102, I, when the podcast first debuted, I had uh, recommended it based on the first four episodes that I'd heard. Uh, we're up to episode 14, that is the most recent one uh, as this podcast records, uh, and it continues to be so good. Uh, it's amazing what Aaron's created here when you, all you get are these voicemails that are left back and forth between these characters. Their romance is so good as they, so far they're up to, um, should we move in together? Yes, I think we should. Where, where could we find the place? Um, so that's been really fun. And they're also in the discovery mode of their magic powers because there's a little bit of magic that runs through here. They seem to be able to influence people to do things like, I need you to take flowers to this guy, or I need you to uh, give him this job so that he is, you know, has employment. Um, it's been really delightful, and it's so cool that you just spend, like like I said, five to ten minutes with him, and then, you know, you're done for the week, and you come back the next week for it. So uh, let's listen to Aaron. He'll talk about the genesis of the podcast and uh, what's coming up maybe in season two. I'm excited to welcome Aaron Keon to the podcast. Aaron is the writer, producer, director, editor, and the voice of Jason for the Love and Luck podcast. Aaron describes himself as a fat, queer, disabled trans man who is the driving force behind Love and Luck. He lives with his partner and co-producer, Lee, in St. Kilda with their two cats, Tribble and Boop. A writer and speaker who turns his attention to many different media, Aaron performs original spoken word pieces a few times a year periodically speaks on panels about disability and queer issues, and occasionally writes small interactive fiction games and publishes a small personal and poetic monthly mini-zine called Floodlight Viscera. Welcome, Aaron. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh, we're thrilled to have you. Uh, Love and Luck has become my favorite new podcast. Oh, thank you. And we should say, as we're, we're recording this now in middle October, and we're not airing until... Uh, middle of December <laughs> through, the, yep. through the scheduling things. But uh, yeah, through those first episodes, it's just been wonderful. Oh, thank you. That's really good to hear. We've we've received a lot of really nice tweets um, uh, saying how it's nice to have something just kind of warm and fuzzy uh, to listen to, which has been really nice. So what was the inspiration behind this? Uh, the The show itself has been described in its in its press materials as fictional radio play podcast told via voicemails, and it's a slice of life of a queer romance story with a touch of magic. So where did yes. all that come from? Um, well, for starters, I can say we use the phrase slice of life because it doesn't turn people off like soap opera does, um, which is probably a little bit more accurate to what it is. Um but people have a bit of a bad, bad reaction to the phrase soap opera, but 
you know, I mean, that's kind of what it is. Um, so, okay, inspiration, where do I start? Uh, so, I was going through a very hard time uh, when I started writing it. Uh, I was having a lot of difficulties and I needed something to focus on to keep my mind off, you know, the bad stuff I was going through. And so I was like, all right, well, this was in late October last year, uh, 2016. And I was like, well, NaNoWriMo is coming up. Um, and I have a lot of friends who do NaNoWriMo. Maybe I'll do it too. Um, so then I made that decision four days before November started. Um, and was like, okay, now I have to come up with an outline and an idea in four days, uh, which I managed to do. I wrote 20,000 words in my outline um, in that four days, which I don't, I still don't actually know physically how I did that. Um, <laughs> and in terms, you know, initially I was like, all right, well, what am I going to write? And I was like, well, I've been really interested in podcasting for a while, um, and I love audio drama podcasts. So I was like, something like that would be really cool um, because I'm a, I, I haven't done podcasting before. I'm a very learn by doing sort of person. So I was like, hmm, I want to learn how to make a podcast. I think I'll make a podcast. Um, so yeah, I went, all right, I'm going to, let's write a script for a podcast. So then I was like, all right, well, what kind of script? Um and I have a very, very deep love of, uh, I don't know what the technical term is for it. I just call it found article style storytelling, where you find pieces of information from like fictional first uh, sources. So like audio logs, diaries, notes, stuff like that, letters, like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I love that kind of storytelling. So I knew I wanted to do something like that. Um and I wanted to keep my production possible. <laughs> so I had to limit the voice actors as much as I could. Uh, at the, t at the, uh, the scope increased dramatically over the next few months. But initially, um, the idea was, well, I can write a love story between two men and me and my partner can voice it. Mm -hmm. uh, which is still true. That's still what we did. Um, it just got bigger than that. Um so I thought, all right, well, what's a, a way I can make interesting, an interesting found article story? Um, and I thought of voicemails because I was trying to think of like audio things you might find. Um, and I'm a big gamer. And so audio logs are a really normalized part of storytelling for me. Um, so I was like, well, I can't really do audio logs because I want to do something a bit more uh, present day. And most people don't go around you know, recording every thought onto a, you know, tape recorder. Although I wish they did, because that would be great. <laughs> um, so I was like, all right, voicemails. And I was like, let's let's write in voicemails. It'll be fun. Um, and it was fun, actually, to write. Um, a little bit tricky sometimes, because with voicemails, you're not at the action, you're around the action. Mm -hmm. And trying to figure out how I can show what's happening without just switching to a, a sort of real-time performance um god i've got enough track i've already forgotten the question i'm just going to keep talking well i think <laughs> going specifically off what you just said because you, you did kind of hint around your inspirations and stuff yes but that was something that struck me in the episodes that i've heard you're finding ways to slip in little things about jason and kane 
at making them sound natural in a voicemail exchange, but yet it's something that if I were reading a narrative, I would oh, just yeah, like, I would just pick up that information because it would come between the quotes. Yeah, exactly. You know, like um, I'm trying to think of an example, and I've forgotten my entire script. <laughs> um, but like we do, you know, things like Jason likes to party. Like normally we would, sh you would show that in a narrative by having him go to parties and hang out and stuff. Um, but in this one, it's more like, Hey, do you want to come to this with me? Do you want to come to that with me? Oh, I had a great time at X. Um, and of course the drunk voicemails, which were my favorite thing to voice act, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, it, it was interesting and quite a challenge but in a fun way and i mean we do fudge it a little bit uh, i think it's in only episode like two or three we we ha i had to i was like all right i need to come up with a reason why these guys keep leaving voicemails and don't just talk to each other um and the reason that we came up with was oh i really like getting your voicemails it feels like getting a love letter yeah um, that that's one of those things where it's like it just sneaks in there to make all this seem Natural. Normal, yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, I personally hate uh, voicemails, which is kind of funny considering. Um, but, yeah, I needed something early on to explain why they're leaving these in-depth voicemails, because otherwise it just doesn't make sense. Because most of the time when you're leaving someone a voicemail, you know, you're not you're expecting to talk to them. And then you get the message and you're like, uh, uh, hi, it's Aaron, I'm calling about the couch call me by you know like it's mm -hmm. not a it's not a natural conversational flow um so once i established that conceit it became well okay now i have a bit more freedom to make these a little bit more like love letters so they're sort of half love letter half voicemail really in terms of writing anyway mm -hmm. that's so that was one of the other things that struck me in in these early ones that i've heard is that it reminds me there's a play that's called love letters from somewhere in the middle 80s, I believe, by A.R. Gurney. And it's two actors on stage reading their love letters. And this is very yeah, yeah. similar in that vein. Yeah. Um, I, one of my favorite books when I was a kid uh, was an Australian book called Dear Mr. Sprouts. Um, and it was, except for, I think, the epilogue, the entire thing was just an exchange of uh, letters between pen pals. Um and so I think I think that's probably the earliest example of this type of storytelling I can remember consuming. So that's probably the thing that started it. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I mean that just I, I really enjoy it. I like hearing from because in, in a lot of narratives, uh, in third person you're observing, and in first person it's extremely subjective because it's you know that that character's experience with this kind of there is a proper word for it. It's like epistolatory or something. I don't know. I dropped out of high school. I don't know anything. Um, but like this, this style of storytelling, it gives you a partially objective, partially subjective experience with the characters, which I think is really interesting and not something you can necessarily get in most, in a lot of other types of storytelling. Mm -hmm. Cause it's very different from standard radio drama or even audio books as we know them today with the, with the voice yeah. actors. Yeah, I um I I love audio drama, but like the idea like my favorite uh 
podcast drama is uh, Wolf 359. And that is an amazing podcast. And now that I've made an audio drama podcast, I love it even more because I just like, I'm like, oh my God, how many takes did that take? How many sound effects did you have to buy or make? How did you get this together? Like, it, it you know, I, I don't have the resources to make a really great traditional audio drama. I, but I do have the resources to make a, you know, small voicemail audio drama. And so that was actually a driving, you know, aside from the fact that I just like that kind of found footage style of storytelling, the, the scope was one of the reasons it turned out the way it did, because mm-hmm. I needed something that was within my means to do. Right. How many, how much of your 20,000 word outline made it into actually being part of the script? Um, this outline, it was a spectacular one. My, my current outline I'm working on for season two is nothing like it. Um, but it was very much like, okay, I just need to figure out how I'm going to hit each note in the story. How do I get from A to B for each part of the story? Um, so, I mean, pretty much all of it in did get turned into the eventual script. Um, just, you know, rewritten. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, I, I mean, the, the writing time on this was really fast because um, I wrote, as I wrote that outline in four days, I did the first draft in November, then I sent it off to my editor, and then I did the second draft uh, late December, January, and then sort of polished it up early February. So, like, that's a very short amount of time to write and edit like I think it worked out to be forty nine thousand words all up. Okay. Um, so so you know in in the grand scheme of things, not that many, but for what I was doing um, and the time I was doing it in, it was quite a lot. I mean, forty nine thousand words, at least for our listeners, you know that equates to what we would call here a category romance book, which typically right. float right around the fifty k mark. Yeah, yeah. So a Harlequin, um, you know, kind of book. Yeah, pretty much. Um, All Up uh, Season 1 is about six and a half hours long. So by the time the finale goes, that's how much, that's how that 49,000 words translates into podcast time. Mm-hmm. How, uh, and you also in this, because most of the episodes, I don't think I've seen one yet that's longer than 10 minutes, maybe. No, they're very short, um, oh. and that's for two reasons. One, I didn't want to have to write 20-minute episodes for a weekly show. Um, and two, I wanted it to be a weekly show. I didn't – you know, it's very traditional for audio drama podcasts to be fortnightly or every two weeks. I don't know if that's biweekly or – I don't know. Um, we, we say fortnightly here in Australia. I like um, fortnightly, so that worked That worked great for me. That's, that's a great term. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's how most, uh, audio drama podcasts release, but I didn't want that. I wanted something weekly because I wanted something to, because this is a very happy, fluffy thing. I wanted it to be something that people could look forward to every Tuesday rather than going, oh, is it this week or next week that the new episode comes out? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so they're short episodes because I wanted to do it weekly. And they're also short because I think they're better that way. You know, I think that, you know, not a lot happens in the show. It's a very slow, mundane sort of story, um, which after I wrote it and I was looking through some other Australian media, I realised that's a thing we do. <laughs> um, and 
I, I think that if the episodes were too much longer, I think they'd be quite boring, and I don't think that they would be uh, as good. So, yeah. Now, you, we know from your intro that you dabble in all kinds of media. Was this your first romance to write? Yes, actually, it was. Um, I... <laughs> it was during our uh, we had a premiere event at the Melbourne Fringe Festival where we played the first five episodes with captions. Um, you know, it's sort of a it was partially a marketing thing, but it was also partially that we'd all spent a year making this thing and we wanted to celebrate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and during my introduction, I said, you know, if you're familiar with my other work, this is nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my other work, uh, my spoken word, my zine especially, tends to be quite serious and uh, somber and dark. Not necessarily in a sad way, but, you know, I delve into heavy topics a lot, um, especially in my spoken word. I, I deal with a lot of stuff around trauma and desire and, you know, the intersections of being trans and queer and disabled and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, this this <laughs> not, this one's not just my first uh, romance it's pretty much the first like non-depressing thing i've written <laughs> what what brought you to romance as you were thinking about NaNoWriMo and thinking about this podcast how did romance become the thing you wanted to do i just wanted it <laughs> i you know that thing of like uh write what you want to read mm-hmm. it was like that it was like well do you know what i really want i really want just something nice where you know like the boys end up together and no one dies and everything's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the the initial elevator pitch that I tweeted about at the time was that I wanted to write a story about um, some boyfriends uh, who get magic powers and hex homophobes. That was the initial um, sort of idea. And that, you know, that still kind of is that um, just, you know, not until further into the season. Um, yeah, I'm, and, I'm very interested to get to the magic part. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I'll be honest, the magic is secondary to the interpersonal stuff, to the romance and all that kind of stuff. Like, that's the important part of the podcast. The magic is, I guess, a uh, plot device more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, everything was really hard and dark and I wanted something nice. And so I was like, well, I'll write something nice. Um, and I actually, um, I had a lot of trouble after I you know, finished the first draft and sent it off to my editor, because during that week or two, that's the time where you stew over everything and you're like, oh God, I'm terrible. <laughs> um, and during that time I was like, what am I doing? Like, why did I write this? Like, because I had this internalized idea that writing a happy romance story was somehow not real writing, was somehow not serious. You know what I mean? And you know, I got over that, thankfully. And the, one of the things that got me over that was because I was like, well, I'm still going to make it, you know, I'm still going to do this. And before, I think it was when we put out uh, our casting call for our supporting actors, that drew a lot of people in Melbourne suddenly heard about this thing I was making and they were like, oh, a nice love story with a happy ending. Holy shit, get me on. The- oh, wait, am I allowed to swear on your podcast? I'm sorry. Um, yes, that's what the explicit tag is for. <laughs> Okay, good. <laughs> Sorry, I'm Australian. We don't know how to not swear. Um, and yeah, people were like, oh my God, like, this is so good. Give me this. You know, everyone just really wanted something nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, I didn't sort of set out to get involved in 
romance writing, I guess. Um, I have a friend who's a romance author. Um, what's her pen name? God, what's her pen name for her romance stuff? Uh, Julia Liehon, I think. Um, and I really enjoy reading her stuff. And I think that was what got it percolating in the initial thing was like, well, I want something nice. Oh, well, hang on. Every time I've read this kind of thing, it's really nice. Mm-hmm. I should just do that. So, yeah. Yeah, because that's, I think that's one of the reasons you know, that romance overall is the huge industry that it is, at least in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Everybody wants that, to know that they're picking up something that has a happily ever after in it. There may be some angst on the way, but at the end of the book, everybody yes. ends happy. And uh, also for me, because I find in queer media, either by queers or by straight people, either way, the tragedy is everywhere and there just isn't enough happy endings in queer fiction. And so that was like, that's why, you know, our tagline sort of thing is we say we're about healthy relationships and happy endings because Mm -hmm. there's no, whenever there's problems, it's not because of people being mean to each other. It's not because of, you know, like anything like that. Like, like everyone has, Everyone communicates about their feelings. They're honest with each other. They have good relationships and it, everyone has a happy end ever after. Um, and when I sent out uh, some preview episodes to uh, some friends to get our pull quotes for marketing, almost all of them commented on that. And they were just like, oh my God, it's so nice to consume some kind of media about romance where there's no miscommunications drawn out you know, for for no reason, you know, um, like, because there's that thing, you know, when you're watching TV and characters are being idiots and you just end up shouting at the TV, just yes. talk to each other, <laughs> you know? Yes, those are um, my least favorite romances to read. It's like, okay, if you two got in a room for five minutes. <laughs> five minutes just said, hey, I'm upset about this. Like, you know, and uh, I mean, that was, and it, thankfully, um, that's very easy for me to write because my partner and I have been together for 10 years and like, we like any relationship has its ups and downs, mm-hmm. but at no point have we ever struggled. Like having, we've never fought, you know, we're always just like, Oh, this thing is upsetting me. And then we talk about it and it's you know fine. And unfortunately to a lot of people, that's remarkable. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it should be, you know, I think that that should be the, the base level for relationships. You've mentioned good response so far. Are you getting response globally at this point in this early run of the podcast? We are starting to, yes. Um, The first little while it was pretty much all people in Melbourne, uh, which is actually fine by me because that's kind of who I made it for. Um, Because actually that's something I haven't mentioned yet. Because, you know, uh, in Australia, we don't have a lot of Australian media and even less of that is queer media. Um, So most of our media comes from America. And you get a little bit tired of never seeing people with your accent or the place going places that you go, interacting in ways that you interact with. And so the reason that it's set in Melbourne is so I can go, hey, this is where I live. Like, like you know when you see a friend on TV and you're like, hey, that's my friend. I wanted to do that for the city, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I wanted people from Melbourne to be able to listen to it and be like, oh, I know that place. Like, oh, I've heard of that person. Because um, we do weave in a lot of real life places um, and people. And 
yeah so so initially it was pretty much all in melbourne but um we've it's been expanding a little bit now um part of like thanks to your men, your review of us actually get, got us uh, quite a few new listeners and um we ran an ad on the feast of fun podcast um mm-hmm. which that gave us a huge bump in american listeners um so australians are still the biggest demographic consuming our podcast but um other countries are starting to trickle through as well now um definitely the most passionate response has been from other australians though and i think that you know part of that is just because culturally we can be like hey that's me i can see myself kind of thing like there's a stupid uh, comment in it's not a stupid comment. There's a comment in I think episode one or two where Kane talks about Fed Square and he loves this tapas place nearby that's really hard to get into. Now that's actually a real place. I didn't name it, but every person who lives in Melbourne will hear that and go, "Oh God, I know that place." <laughs> <laughs> We've hinted at season two a couple of times. So and season one is forty eight episodes and. Yep. So that's going to be running well into next year. Yes. Um, uh, the, the season finale, I think, is July twenty, uh, July 31st. Let me just check that because I put everything in my calendar so I can't forget. Um, yes, July 31st is when the finale for season one will air. Um, and because we do this TV development style, I am already starting season two right now. <laughs> What's is it more Jason and Kane in season two, or are you branching to something else, or any um, any initial little little hints of things you want to say? Yeah, okay, I can I can give you a few tips. Yeah, um, so later on in season one, you'll be introduced to a location, um, and that location will become very important to the podcast. And in season two, we do still continue with Jason and Kane. Um, we do also, uh, I am adding some new characters to season two as well. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me, which is very exciting. Um, so like, we're not getting rid of Jason and Kane much to my own annoyance because, uh, voice acting as well as doing everything else was a lot of work. <laughs> um, and so I'm like, oh, I wish I could write myself out, but like, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 I've we don't get our happy ending then. So I'm stuck with it now. Um, so yes, there is definitely more Jason and Kane and uh, season two. Um, also some supporting characters from season one will be getting their own stories as well in season two. Do you foresee it keeping the same voicemail format that it does now, or are you going to explore some other method of, of the storytelling? It is predominantly still going to be voicemailed, yes. Um, there may be some episodes that have extra special bits. There is actually one episode in season one that's not a voicemail. Um, it's a phone call instead. Um, so we may do some other stuff, but predominantly it will still be voicemails. Um, I have like dreams of expanding the podcast. Maybe for season three, we'll see how we go. Um, and introducing a separate storyline with a different format, uh, but still with that kind of found footage thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, actually, here's a here's a special tip just for your listeners. Um, one thing we're doing in season two is we're actually going to be uh, having a character find some cassettes um, from the eighties, oh, and we're wow. going to play play some stuff from that. So yeah, so there's going to be some new stuff. I can only imagine what 80s cassette tapes might have on them. (laughs) (laughs) 
nothing nothing too exciting we're we're a well i say we're a pg podcast we, we are like explicit listed because we swear a lot but yep <laughs> well of course you're not gonna like probably license any 80s music but i mean certainly in the 80s no. people people more tape recorded yes stuff yes they did um, and actually one of the things I'm struggling with at the moment in, in writing it is trying to figure out how much or how little to mention the AIDS crisis, because mm. it, if, like, this is a happy podcast and I try to keep it that way, but not mentioning it at all feels inauthentic because it, I mean, it was everything back then, yeah. you know? So I haven't quite found that balance yet, but still in outlining, so we'll see how that goes. Interesting. Well, now I'm already eager for season two, and I'm not even that far <laughs> into season one yet. <laughs> so uh, what's the best way for everyone to follow you and the podcast online? So we've tried to make it as easy as possible. Um, if you go to our website, loveandluckpodcast.com, uh, you can find links to everything there, all our social media, all of the places you can listen to us. Um, you can find us on your podcast app. We're on all the important ones. Um, I made sure to submit us to a lot of different uh, catches. Um, and we're on iTunes, of course, so even a lot of independent catches will still have us. Um, we also have a YouTube channel. Um and if you prefer your podcasts with captions, all of our episodes are captioned on YouTube and they're captioned by hand, not by YouTube's horrible automatic um, captioning. Um, so we're on Twitter as at Love Luck Podcast. We're on Facebook as Love and Luck Podcast. We're on Tumblr as Love and Luck Podcast. We're on Instagram as Love and Luck Podcast. And I think that's all of our social media for the moment. We'll link up to all of those in our show notes so that people can go off and find that um, if they're out listening to this while they're in their car or whatever. Uh, so <laughs> yes, those will be thank you. Easily linkable. And uh, wish you continued success. I'm very glad that uh, you uh, alerted us to your existence so that we could get in on the bandwagon. Thank you. Thank you for being so supportive. It's been like really, really nice to get such good support. So it was really enjoyable uh, talking to Aaron, and I highly recommend, again, Love and Luck Podcast. The link to the website is in the show notes, and you can pick it up on iTunes and YouTube and all kinds of other places. So give that a listen. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, everyone. I think that'll do it for this week's show. Mm -hmm. Coming up in episode 115, Annabeth Albert will be here to talk about her new release, Wheels Up. Plus, Jay from Joyfully Jay will be here. She'll have some book recommendations. Yes, absolutely. Always good to hear from Jay. Yes. Now, guys, remember, no matter where life takes you, the journey will always be sweeter when you have a book. Until next time, guys, keep turning those pages and keep reading. For detailed show notes and the complete episode backlist, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com. New episodes are available every Monday on all major podcast distributors and YouTube. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.